This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hello, Dreamers, and welcome to episode 128 of the Dreamers Disease podcast with me, Alex Manzi. And basically, after going through my own battles with depression and anxiety, I wanted to create a platform for you to join me on this journey of becoming richer in mind, body, and soul. And now, whether that's a discussion about everyday struggles, hearing the story of an inspirational guest, or some of my own personal experiences, we aim to inspire you to start making a positive change in your life. And on this week's episode, I am joined by the amazing singer-songwriter Gabrielle Applin. There's a brand new album, Dear Happy, but she made her name on YouTube with a series of really incredible covers, and it then provided her the platform to become the singer and the, I guess, the soundtrack of the infamous John Lewis Christmas advert in 2012 with an amazing cover of The Power of Love. And Gabrielle has an amazing story, and incredibly throughout her whole career she struggled with ADHD so we had a really really deep chat about how she manages and keeps on top of her ADHD what her mental health toolbox is the benefits of not having a plan and much much more but before we jump in I just want to thank you for listening do make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening right now let's jump straight in and hear from Gabrielle Applin how's it going good thanks you pronounce my name right as well every time that happens I'm like oh well, how's, how else is I it? I get Gabriella Alpen, Alpen all the time, but it's like all the time. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I just, I just think I people I read it that the, way. I thought I was going to get the Gabrielle bit wrong. Oh, okay. I thought it was gonna, you were going to be like, well, it's Gabrielle. It's Gabrielle? Yeah, or something. It's no, it's not Gabriella. No. Okay. <laughs> Here I am. Glad <laughs> I got it right. So how are you doing? Good, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, good. Really good. So just to kind of kickstart us, can you just give the listeners a little bit of an idea of who you are and what you do? Yes. So I... Yes, predominantly, predominantly, I am a singer, songwriter and performer. I guess that's my job. I write songs and I put them out. Um, and yeah, mostly for me, I do bits and bobs all over the place. And um, I never really have a plan either. I just write songs mm. and put them out and see where it takes yeah. me. Yeah. And how, how do you find that then, not having a plan? Um, not helpful a lot of the time, <laughs> but <laughs> good for my um, creativity, I guess. It yeah. means when something comes along, I know that it's and I'm motivated by yeah. it I know that I well that I'm going to enjoy it firstly but that that's usually my indicator of whether I should spend my time on it yeah. I guess so even though it's kind of annoying for everyone who's working around me doing logistical things and admin it's nice for me yeah. I mean I do have plans but I don't completely make them it's usually someone helping me make yeah. the the plans while I make songs and things yeah, yeah. do you know what it's so funny because I'm so similar and I've only really discovered this recently like I find that when I do make plans and I'm like, right, I need to do this to then do that to then do that, I start to freak out. Yeah, I think it's about chunking. Yeah, I have ADHD, so I have to yeah. like plan everything. Or I just, I just won't yeah. do it. Um, and I find if I plan to like, I put like maybe five things on a list, and those things are like things that could be lists within themselves. Yeah, that singular thing looks way too overwhelming. And if it's too yeah, overwhelming yeah. for me that's where I go it's too big a task yeah. so you then chunk down that task yeah and it's, it helps well it'd be like I guess like you wouldn't write down <laughs> write songs for album you'd kind of exactly you break like, that down I had into to smaller. do this I got um, I with my therapist got this um this sheet and it's like a project planning chart for like people with ADHD and you kind of write down like the headlines I yeah. guess and then kind of there's categories within that yeah um so like even something simple that's like do food shop it's like 
you have to get your bags ready and that's a task and then you have to get there and then you have to write a list for the things it just makes everything seem worse yeah, so, it's, so uh, it's so it's weird i have to chunk things out sounds like. like my productivity dream to be honest i'm so like write stuff down break stuff up and like before when we were in the office next mm. door and we were looking at the wall and it was all I those saw that that really made me happy yeah that was the same i was like yes that looks like my bedroom <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so on the adhd front can you I was going to say, how long have you had it for? <laughs> well, I, I think it's been there my whole life. Yeah, no, what, I meant sure. to, what I meant to actually say was, when did you figure out or be diagnosed with it? Um, so I was diagnosed like officially just over a year ago. Yeah. Um, and it was actually quite strange. So I kind of, I had, uh, I'd stopped for a bit after I did, I did two albums with a major label and then I... It wasn't like I got dropped or I had to like fight my way out of my deal. It just kind of ended and it was really nice. But it was just like, okay, usually in this situation, you're angry at someone and then you kind of go and do something. I was like, fuck you. Yeah. Um, but I actually, every, it was also civil and nice. I was like, okay, <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> and um, I had a bit of time off, went to make some songs and was re- I was really happy with them. And I, my first kind of tour, kind of outside of the odd show in the UK was a tour in Japan mm-hmm. and it's a place where I've been to a lot and I really love um and but I guess it was like my first thing back yeah and it just I went I was going with an old formula that I guess I'd kind of grown out of and realized that wasn't working for me anymore and I just completely cracked and I was like okay this doesn't work I can't do my job without crying mm. <laughs> and I can't organize myself and it's getting difficult so I started seeing a therapist and kind of worked with the idea that it was generalized anxiety and depression and kind of quite common illnesses um and I was definitely I was doing kind of CBT to treat that yeah um and obviously with a psychotherapist they're not going to be like I think you've got you know they're not there to diagnose you um but I was in Ireland about to go to electric picnic festival and it was the Friday before I was driving there and I stayed in an airport hotel on my own and I decided not to go out that night. So I stayed in and I was watching Edinburgh Fringe okay, yeah. and there's a, a show called uh, it's BBC Ouch. Yeah. You were of it. And they have lots of people come and tell their stories and they're always really funny, but it's not just like stand up. There'd be like, you know, there'd be like people with physical disabilities that are really obvious, people with disabilities that aren't, um, kind of mental conditions and disabilities and whatever. Um, Lots and lots and lots. And I was watching all of their stories and it was amazing. And then the last girl kind of walked on stage and I was like, okay, her her disability or whatever it is isn't obvious or visible. Mm. And I was really drawn in by her story and she was just seemed really sprightly and, and just kind of there like in a really like she was really had a really strong presence and she was talking about how she had never got her shit together (laughs) and she was about to get kicked out of university and she had to basically it was like 8 p.m or something and she had to hand in an essay the next day and um she hadn't even started it and her room was covered in pizza boxes and was a mess and her life was just not together and her friend came around and was like do you want to go do some pills and she was like okay (laughs) Not, not i should probably stay in and finish this essay um so she went out and they took, she didn't even know what these pills were. And she took them and you know, it was like midnight, one in the morning. She sees a friend like being sick in the corner or whatever, some weird dude. Yeah. And she's just, she said for the, for the first time, it felt like her feet 
and her head came out of the clouds and were like on the floor <laughs> and that she did the first sensible thing like she felt like she was sensible for the first time in her life and yeah. put a friend in a taxi home and went home and got into a room and saw the absolute state of a room and for the first time I was like wow I'm disgusting yeah. and cleaned it all up and then um, she was like oh maybe, maybe I'll finish this essay and she sat there and it got to four in the morning and she'd finished this essay wow. and she was like wow what pills have I taken yeah. and she'd taken Ritalin and she, she was like okay well that worked <laughs> so she looked into it and the way she described herself I was like okay wow that's me so I went to my therapist and I told her that and she was like well <laughs> I mean it's pretty obvious but I can't say so um I yeah, went to see a psychiatrist and I tried Ritalin and changed my life yeah and now I feel like I don't feel like it's made me like a better version of myself I feel like it's just made me myself yeah. like if we have to operate on like this level if you don't need Ritalin, you kind of be operating around here and you're too like, yeah. and I'm here. So it brings me up to like my normal self. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and a lot of, and I kind of just started learning about it from then. Mm. And that's when I realized, well, I learned that a lot of women tend to get misdiagnosed and get told that the main cause is anxiety or depression when that's more of a kind of a symptom. Side effect. Of, yeah, because yeah. men tend to be more, well, we used to think it was just little boys mm. that get it. Um, and that we grow out of it. But we found out that that's not true and we can have it as adults. And it's not just men either, but men tend to be more hyper and women tend to be more introvert and mm -hmm. kind of go into themselves. And that's when the anxiety and the depression would creep in because you're mm -hmm. isolating yourself a lot of the time. So that's what I learned anyway. Yeah. And yeah, just because I didn't go out then, I was pretty happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> so you learned something just by staying in. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. What, so what's then, what's it like in terms of like, can you describe... The, the, I don't want to say the feeling, but like what ADHD does, just to like give people a kind of picture um, of like how it yeah. manifests well, in a way. I feel like, so you have like, I think it's like your limbic system and your brain yeah. and you have your prefrontal cortex is here. Yeah. This is the bit that tells you to do stuff and this is the bit that's way more primal and it's like, just wants you to seek comfort. It wants yeah, you to yeah. stay warm. It doesn't want you to carry heavy things. It doesn't want you to go to work. It just wants you to curl up and like sleep. Um, and it's like the limbic section is way more powerful than the prefrontal yeah. cortex. That's how I think of it. Um, and for me, I guess it feels like many, many tasks can be like, it's like without Ritalin, especially it's like the, I, I, before I took it, I noticed the kind of change from when I'd have like one thing in my diary and apart, and other than that, I need to put my washing on and walk the dog mm. and I like what I, I would do the one thing that I have to do, which might be some emails or whatever. And then I'd feel so overwhelmed and exhausted. Like my brain just couldn't take anymore. And I feel like I'd done a whole like really long day's work. Mm. And then I'd take Ritalin and I'd do that. And f it would feel like as men feel like, oh, okay, that was, that was an email. <laughs> you know, it's the things are less overwhelming. Um, and I guess it's just really your inability to create dopamine yeah. um, effectively. So instead of, um, you know, like the kind of the well, dopamine is what makes us do things. It's our motivation. It's like there's some the bridge between doing and th well thinking and then doing is yeah. not quite there. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just it's just like, it's quite hard to explain. I think it's like a lack of motivation, even though you're motivated. Yeah. And it's really annoying because you feel like your brain's going but your body isn't and you can sit and think about what you want to do all day but you just can't do it so is, is, a, is it a sense of like being overwhelmed by having stuff to do and not being yeah, able yeah, to yeah. be like okay, you're not being able to, to like and time management as well mm. um for getting things 
it makes you feel like you're being lazy, but actually you're really stuck. <laughs> you know, like it's just quite a strange feeling because there's a lot of the time it's not like I'm depressed. Yeah. But I might be, but it's very hard to tell because actually it might just be that I have very low dopamine that day. Yeah. Do you know? And some days it, it's it's not yeah. the same. Um, but I guess, yeah, a big chunk of it is feeling overwhelmed by small tasks. Yeah. And then you get guilty because I know I can do those tasks as well. So it just keeps firing me. God, I'm yeah. starting to worry because it sounds a lot like me as well. Maybe. Now. I'm like, jeez, <laughs> it's a bit too close to home. <laughs> but I'm kind of like, because I'm in that thing, I know we were kind of semi-joking before about the productivity thing. Like yeah. I'm so like in a productivity mm. zone, but when I'm not in it, that's when I'm like, oh my God. Like, Well, we tend to be more, like, well, I say we as if I've just diagnosed you, but like people <laughs> with ADHD tend yeah. to be more um, well, motivated when it's something they're good at. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. So it's like... That might be the yeah. thing. So you just do more of what you're good at. Yeah. So, so, so <laughs> back to the, the kind of original mm. point was we were talking about like that kind of... Uh, planning. Fr- yeah, like <laughs> not planning and just doing things and the mm. freedom of it. And it's like, yeah, I'm, this year I've become so in that zone of like just wanting to be free to do things and mm. not have to put the pressure that comes yeah. with like planning and trying to execute things mm. and... It's like you just take one thing at a time yeah, and see what happens off the back of that and then do the next thing and then do the next yeah. thing. Kind of, you know, that's what... Because it's, it's easy to get excited about loads of things all at the same time. So yeah. you end up like wanting to do all of them and then you start all of them and yeah, like that's, very unlikely that's totally me. finish. Yeah. That's yeah. totally <laughs> me. That's, I do that as well because I get really excited and rile myself up about something yeah. and then I do all of it and then nothing gets finished. But I do think that I guess we work really well on schedules and yeah. planning and like routine. Yeah. Um, and whilst I don't like to plan kind of things all the time, I feel pressure from a session, like a writing session that's yeah. been arranged. Maybe I won't write well that day and like I'm completely cool with that. Um, but it's about kind of putting a routine in place that you can kind of weave Have the freedom to... Yeah, so like whilst I'm here being like, oh, I just make it up as a go. I kind of don't, but I kind of do. Like yeah. I don't plan what songs are going to happen. Yeah. And like, but yeah. yeah so so how, does that, how does that play into the your songwriting process and your and your creativity does the is there a benefit to the ADHD in that sense yeah definitely people with ADHD are more sensitive to sound and color mm. um hence the bright colored I mean, jumper <laughs> I don't even know I think it was just because it's large and comfortable uh, <laughs> but yeah maybe that's why that's why I like it um and so like if something is sounding sad something will sound even more happy if you find something happy I really enjoy like um making like phys- like visual stuff as mm. well and that's I guess um I'm really motivated by that and I think yeah I, I think it definitely helps I don't know maybe just the way I I will interpret a feeling or something and try and convert that into sound yeah I guess um I guess it must be different it must be yeah like yeah I don't try not to think about it too much because otherwise I will think about it too much yeah exactly, <laughs> no, exactly. No, I just don't know but like I mean the most structured it gets is I have people I enjoy working with and I tend to work with the same people a lot because I like that comfort and routine. Mm. Um, and every now and then I kind of push myself and work with new people and yeah, yeah. I try and keep it structured. And also just like where my levels are with overwhelm and stuff. So I'll, I, you know, keep it to three in London a week maximum. Yeah. Um, or, you know, like just things that I need to do to make sure I'm well and feel well enough to be able to go and do my work as well as I possibly can. So like, yeah. you know, I'm doing that so I don't have to 
So I get to come home and actually eat and sleep properly more nights than not, you know, and just basic human things that yeah. I try and keep as much control of as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like when I'm, I'm not trying to self-diagnose myself here, by the way, <laughs> um, but I'm like just when I'm in the zone of something, so like now the podcast or mm. like when I'm editing or when I get in the flow of writing, I'm so in the zone it's really hard for me to get out of it. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. then when I am out of it, that's when I'm like, I can't concentrate on yeah, like, yeah, much. Yeah. I'm just like, there's just too many things to think about. So it's like, I guess, is it like, it must be the same sort of thing, right? When you're kind of in the kind of yeah. creative zone, you're just in it and you're just being free. Yeah, and you that. get out and you're like, oh, <laughs> it's dark. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, but then I find it hard to actually start something. Mm. But once I've started it, I'm, I'm really yeah. in it. Um, sometimes you just have to like set a timer as well and be like, I'm just going to try it for five minutes. If it's something I've been putting off and then I yeah. find once I've done it for just five minutes, I'm not committing to the whole thing and I actually know what I'm doing. Yeah. So and do you know what I've started to do recently to help that is like, because I, I can overthink everything before I start it, mm. is I'll just start it. When I'm like, okay, cool, I want to do this thing. I will literally start it as soon as possible. And like just a stupid example from today is um basically I'm, i've i've got like all my podcast gear and microphones and recording mm. stuff and cameras and whatever and i'm going to be going traveling uh for some part of next year cool. and i thought oh, i really should get like a, a kit bag like a camera bag rucksack type thing yeah. with the compartments and blah 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 but then i was like oh they're quite expensive and i don't really need it so i thought you know what would be really cool is if i bought some like foam you know like um almost like a massive sponge yeah, like, yeah. you know that you get in, like, make compartments yeah i yeah. could do it myself and i was like oh that's quite cool and i thought you know i'll google it so i started reading like, articles to find out how to do it and what to buy and then literally i just within half an hour i'd bought 30 quids worth of foam and, and i've like, done it <laughs> and, and it's gonna hits. arrive today and oh, then i'm gonna yay. do it yeah, so, tomorrow sorry and then i'm gonna do it so i'm just like cool. when i f- come across something you're like, I'm, like boom, right, I just, I'm gonna do it and yeah then, yeah if I vibe with it, I vibe with it. I mean, that's a silly example, but like other stuff, yeah, like no, if I vibe with it, I'll stick with it. If not, then I ditch it kind yeah. of thing. Well, I guess that's just a good thing. Yeah. I guess it means you're just doing what you want. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's that as well. I mean, it comes back yeah. to the freedom thing, right? Yeah. Um, so with with what we were just talking about, you, you mentioned the kind of uh, anxiety and depression yeah, side yeah. of things as well. Like, what, So where, at what levels do they come into play in terms of like, when do you have like the, the depressive um, like lulls and then the anxiety kind of, buzzes i guess they are yeah well for me i kind of think of it as like having a cold on yeah. my head <laughs> like that so if it's coming i know it's coming um obviously they're like physical symptoms to look out for and stuff but i think it's just about having like a mental toolbox of yeah. things you can do i know that like it's really hard to call them like triggers because it's not like oh look i ate a blueberry oh that's one of my triggers i'm depressed now like it doesn't work like that but i know that if i haven't had enough sleep or yeah. i haven't been eating well or how i usually would do um if i've had a particularly busy week and then i have a day off it's usually that day off so i'm like i prepare myself and try and work around it yeah um yeah like it's kind of and it, i mean it's a lot easier when you have a name for it as well mm. and you're like oh it's just that do you know yeah. um but i don't yeah i think it's again that's where routine helps as well because it just I think surprise is not nice change kind of kicks it up as well so it's just about having everything really planned and no surprises and everyone knows what's going on yeah um and then when those things start sliding that's when it starts to kick in I'm a really bad traveler for example I find like whilst I love playing shows I find it really scary to play shows and Mm. like the flying jet lag things being out of time I don't I don't know I don't like that (laughs) and I find that really difficult um 
and just go along with it, I guess. But it's like from doing it, you know, and then stopping and then doing it again, I was able to work out what bits I didn't like. And yeah. Did work. And I guess as well, I was really young and I'd also was just having people make a, make a schedule for me. I hadn't done it before. So if, when you do something for the first time, it's kind of exciting. You don't really, kind of on autopilot, there's a lot of adrenaline and you're just kind of running. It's only really when you stop and then you catch up with yourself and be like, oh, that's actually quite unsustainable. Yeah. That's not how I should treat my actual human body. That's weird. <laughs> and like, it just keeps going and going and going. So um, having that time to then go, okay, that didn't work this time. What's different? Yeah. Um, made me able to create a routine where yeah. I feel like it's kind of controlled. What are the things then in the routine that you kind of, you're like non-negotiables, like whether you're traveling, whether you're here, whether you're spending three days somewhere recording, yeah. like what are the things that you're okay, like, I have so to like get these Okay, so like basic done. human things. There has to be sleep as much as possible. I get it. Like sometimes things are early, like I get it, it's yeah. fine. Um, but within reason, um, the food situation has to happen. Like we have to all eat. Um, and... Like just even small things like I like to, when I travel, I like to take a, like a, a diffuser with me and have the same smell everywhere because yeah. that okay. creates a thing or um, even like my face routine and stuff. Just yeah. something that like I find it quite grounding to just yeah. do the same thing in a different place. Things that I can take with me. Um, yeah. I also like to get out and see somewhere as yeah. well and not just see like because this gets so depressing if all you're seeing is like a van and then a hotel and then a van. And then a venue, and then a van hotel. Like it just keeps it, but yeah. Yeah. And then it just feels like you haven't really been anywhere, but you've been away for a month. So like I try and see as much as possible as well. Yeah. And also, yeah. I guess it's like take inspiration from places, yeah. isn't it? Because I find like when I go traveling and I come back, I'm like, oh my God, like there's this thing and like I want to do this. And, yeah, this, yeah, and I yeah. just, there's so much more that comes flowing into you because you've yeah. seen something slightly from a different perspective. Definitely. Because maybe you're, you're in a different mindset because you're not at home and you're kind of in a more free thinking space anyway because you're yeah and you're, you're kind just, of more alert as yeah. well you're more like aware of things i guess when you're somewhere new yeah um yeah so when you're on the road then and you're performing and you're doing your shows does the adhd have an effect in that situation as well oh yeah like i get really terrified <laughs> <laughs> um i like or like with time management as well it's like you don't know how long it's really hard to work out how long I need to do something for. Like I might think, I always like overestimate it. Um, so like even getting ready and stuff, like I just, I just, yeah, like it just kind of comes in. Yeah. <laughs> so like I, I just try and really schedule things because otherwise if I haven't scheduled, even just small things like getting ready, having dinner or whatever, it just kind of starts. I was mm. like, oh, I've got too many things to figure out how to do. Um, but, and also like a lot of trying to, that, that panic that will set in and anxiety from feeling like I have to control everything that makes me feel like I'm controlling everything. So I'm stressing everything out to make sure everything's getting done. And mm. it's like, well, no, because there are people there who are whose whose job it is to do those things, yeah. and I should just let them do it. Um, so like when I, you know, that's where it creeps in. I think, and yeah. I, I also like just forget stuff. I'll forget songs that I wrote myself and played what, thousands performing? of times. Yeah, like, oh, no. all the time. Um, and like, and then I. I, you, it's amazing what you can forget when you're panicking about forgetting something it's yeah. just ridiculous so I forget a lot of things yeah so yeah. if you had a situation where you've been on stage and you're literally like need oh to do the goodness. next song and you're like oh damn. no it's usually in the song as well but I I remember I was in Australia doing some shows and I came from Japan and one of my songs I in Japan I'd sang it like part of it in Japanese oh. I couldn't remember the English version by the time oh I got no. to Australia and 
it wasn't the first show in Australia either. It was like the third one in. So I'd remembered it a few nights before, but I hadn't remembered it this night. I did it in Japanese. <laughs> That's fine. But I mean... It's the remix. It's the <laughs> remix, yeah. It's just, look, just the fact that I can remember that, but I can't remember the, the, the English one. Yeah. It's just weird. Um, yeah. But I'd be more of a good thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean... <laughs> I try not to care now. I used to really worry, but like actually what is the worst that can yeah. happen? I forgot the words, like... And that's the thing is, as long as you're in that that space of like acceptance, isn't it? You yeah, can that makes it like, easier. Oh, it's fine. It is what it is. <laughs> it's like, what it is. Yeah, ah, yeah, they yeah. still get it. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah. But I worry about that way more than I should. It's like blown way out of proportion. But yeah. it's just me forgetting some words. Yeah. It's not the end of the world. So. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And on the Japanese note, I noticed that one of your recent songs is called Kintsugi. Kintsugi, Which yeah. is the Japanese art of re so like piece it when so let's say a, a cup breaks yes and there's a chip they will like piece it together and they'll fill in the the cracks with golden Gold. like flakes yeah it's like a reminder of that just makes its own little unique scars yeah thing um yeah i wrote that with norwegians Did you? <laughs> i went to norway wrote some song about japan um yeah and then actually one of my friends claire she helped write the Japanese bit at the end as well, which is really cool. Um, I wrote that about the time I went to Japan and was like, what am I doing? Like, how do I do this? This is unsustainable. Yeah. Um, and I found out in Kintsugi and I wanted to write about that. That's yeah. kind of how I, yeah, put it all together in a yeah. song, I guess. Um, so what was yeah. it about Kintsugi, like the, the art form of it that kind of drew you in in the first um, place? Well, do you know, we were actually just writing and we wanted to write about how, you know, classic, like, well, you know, you need to, you need to have bad days to know the good days. And I was like, oh, just like Kintsugi. And I, I remember being from like a few previous trips in Japan. I did a TV show where they basically just filmed me walking around Kyoto all day and trying loads of cool Japanese things. And um, oh, I can't actually remember the exact place we were, but there were some examples of like Kintsugi some ceramics and I really liked it and it just that moment like years later reminded me of Kintsugi um, yeah it just became a thing I yeah. really love that song as well like I just want it that's how I know I loved it as well because it just kind of happened yeah one day it just like fell out of the sky um, that's yeah, sick I love yeah. it I love it yeah and I just I just I think it's very apt for like where you are in terms of like you know what we've just been speaking yeah, about yeah. And your, your journey but also like what Kintsugi represents in terms of like your broken pieces actually are a beautiful thing yeah the about art you. of precious scars yeah. yeah I think it's it's your own like journey as well and I love how I mean even just more in a, like a domestic way in Japan you would hand down your ceramics you don't just buy mm. a new one if it breaks and that's what I think is really nice it's about just just because something's broken, it's still useful <laughs> and yeah. it's still, um, it can still be unique and it's more so for being broken. So I think that's really nice. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. It's a wicked little um, thing that I, I was in Japan earlier this year and oh, it's cool. one of the things I was like, yeah, this Isn't is. Isn't it the best country? Oh, it's a best, I'm such an enthusiast. Honestly, it's the greatest. Where did you go? So I went to, so I did a month. Oh. So I did uh, Tokyo um, for like the first four days and then we went north slightly to Nagano. Cool. Um, went skiing just uh, did all of it yeah went to see the snow monkeys nice then we went to Osaka did like a couple of the areas around Osaka then we went to Kyoto mm. or the other way around and then we went to did you Kamakura yeah we yeah. went to Hiroshima first oh cool okay back to Tokyo and then we spent the last four days in Kamakura and nice Kamakura is the is already fully in love with Japan yeah Kamakura is where I fully like yeah came away from Japan it like, ruined me that wow. day wow I did it like on a day off. My tour manager and I were like, should we just 
go to Kamakura for the day. The trains are so good. Yeah. Everything works so well. Um, oh, it was just, it's just the it's best. It's a beautiful place. I love it. Yeah. I don't like to talk about it too much because I don't want it to become like, it's already quite touristy because there's like yeah. the... I can't remember the name of the temple and then there's the giant Buddha, which is like the, one of, of course, the main attractions. Yeah. But Kamakura itself is like, it's just so it's peaceful and lovely. Place. And mm. like just this little surf village, like 20 minutes away on the train. Wow. And like, yeah, we just, we, we discovered a lot. We found this cool little jazz bar and there was this little like so American cool. Japanese dude like playing like jazz. And there was a dude that was playing the piano who'd come in from Brooklyn. And like, it was just of course there was sick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah fully. It was like, yeah, I love Japan. <laughs> yeah. I love it too. It's my favorite. Um, but yeah, it was sick. I mean, that's why, again, why it comes down to like traveling so important because it's like you take, you just take in so much inspiration. Mm. Isn't it? I wouldn't have known that if I didn't go. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then one of the things that I did want to speak about was like obviously being someone who, I guess you've been doing your music and kind of been in the music industry for a while, mm. but you kind of started out on a kind of in a YouTube lane and you were kind of getting your name kind of out there for your own means. And, you know, you were, I guess quite well known for doing covers and then you know you're kind of doing your own thing mm. from your, your bedroom essentially I guess right and then all of a sudden it's like you're now the sound of the John Lewis advert in 2012 which yeah. for anyone who doesn't know the John Lewis Christmas advert is like the big Christmas advert that everyone kind of looks out for every yeah. year at Christmas because it's always really well produced and it's just so it's basically like a little short film yeah about like some really cute tugs on your heartstrings yeah. and the song's always beautiful and 2012 was obviously you and the amazing cover of Power of Love. Yeah. Um, and then obviously that's now just taking you from like doing covers in your bedroom to like fully thrust you into like public eye. Yeah. How did that, like what was that transition like? Because I'm assuming uh, it was quite a quick yeah, <laughs> transition. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty mad. Um, well, I was, start, I'd work, I was working with Parlophone and yeah. we had like my first single was going to be a song called Please and Say You Love Me and it was ready to go and it was out on pre-order when it was like iTunes pre-order and stuff mm. and that was the thing. And back like, in the day. Back <laughs> in the day, like three years ago. Um, no, and it, I think it was way more than three years ago. I don't know why I said that. Um, and then we got this advert and I couldn't believe it as well yeah. because I wasn't initially asked, but I was a really big fan and I wanted to do it. And yeah. I had already, I was already ready to go. Like I found out what the song was yeah. and they hadn't asked me. So, so did they already know? Cause I was, I was talking to Anton about this before we were trying to work out. Did they already know the song before or had you already done the cover of the song? No, they, t they choose a song yeah, and okay. then they like, will pitch it out and okay. get artists to pitch. Yeah, um, yeah. I wasn't included in that list of pitching artists yeah. um, and I knew that it was getting closer and closer to the deadline which was a Monday I then got asked on the Friday and I was like well okay I suppose <laughs> <laughs> and then I went in on I believe it was a Saturday I remember it so well it was the night that Ed Sheeran did iTunes Festival the okay. Roundhouse and I went to that show yeah. so I recorded it and we only recorded um, the, like the one minute ad version is mm. the first verse and chorus um, and I had the ad as well, and the snowman wasn't like animated in yet, so it was yeah. just like a red stick <laughs> like, <laughs> everywhere. Um, and they, you know, it was amazing. They'd give me a brief, and I had like the bits where they'd be like, "We don't want any lyrics or melody on this bit and stuff," and that's why some of the lyrics are missing and stuff. And I just followed their brief because I wanted yeah. it so much. And we just went in and recorded just that version, and then I handed it in, and then then we got it, and it was as mad. And um, yeah, I, I then had like a 30 second version. I was like, well, I need to finish it now. So yeah. we went in and finished it. Um, 
but I guess with those things, you can't really, you don't, you never know. Like sometimes they're like the song flies. Sometimes like the company does really well. Sometimes both do really well. Sometimes yeah. everything flops, and like you can't really base any. You can't be guaranteed yeah. any success from it. So we were kind of fine. I was fine. Like I was just really happy to do it. And then um, I think it was like James Arthur had like covered it on the X Factor, and then it was yeah. number one that week. And I mean, it was doing all right, but that was the thing that really um, made it a thing. <laughs> um, and it just happened. But yeah. uh, that, again, like we didn't know whether it was going to do that. So like I didn't base everything on it. I was still cracking on. And yeah, it just happened. Yeah, because I, 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 I might have got this totally wrong, but I seem to remember it being the first John Lewis advert where everyone kind of lost their shit. <laughs> Because the st- I think the song did go to number one, didn't it? It did, yeah. And it was like, it seems to me in my memory, it seems to be like the first time that happened where like the song from an advert, well, that advert in particular, yeah. went to number one. And then every year after that, it was like, okay, they seem to be like, in the, now they go for like, I think this year's like Bastille. Yeah, and this Golden's one is it really like, good. Yeah, it's cute. It's really sweet, yeah. But that seemed to me like the first one that kind of start, almost started that trend. I mean, there could have been one like one or two years before. I mean, but I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I started it. <laughs> take it take the credit why not i will take it yeah so then how did that change in terms of like your obviously your place in the music industry all of a sudden you've gone yeah. from like youtube girl to exactly. like you know sweet and innocent in your room to like i'm now number one and yeah. like the voice of like this massive advert and you know well i didn't want my own songs to suffer for it yeah. i didn't want anyone to assume that like you know that was it and it could have been um and i was really happy that my own songs then had success and that people weren't like okay that was great but your songs were shit yeah. <laughs> um so that actually was really nice i felt like it wasn't defined me it could have defined me mm. i think in ways that it could have done for some artists as well um but i feel like it didn't define me yeah so much and a really interesting thing with that song is obviously it was licensed in the uk for john lewis but in Really shortly after in Australia, it was synced on like some horror series about people oh, really? coming back from the dead. Okay. And it was number one in Australia as well, oh, but for a completely different reason. So here it's like the story of the sweet snowman yeah. getting like a snowman girlfriend, some gloves or whatever. And in Australia, it's really dark and really haunting. And it's just amazing. I love sync and I love music and visuals being put together and what a song yeah. actually oh, could do to enhance a film or what a, a visual, like a music video, a good music video yeah. can make a song sound so much better. Um, and I really, I really love that. I love how, yeah, you can really yeah. change the context of something with visuals. So Yeah, it's amazing because yeah. I used to, I actually used to work in advertising and I used to work in TV production. Oh, so cool. I've been in, in the room where it's like, you've got five songs on the table sync to the advert and then you see the one and you're like is that that is the one <laughs> like that's the one yeah, like yeah, yeah. it just, t- you just totally does everyone just know it just is that changes. intuitive yeah 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 like you just you just know like yeah, you just yeah. see it. it it just like I said it syncs up so well so mm. it's like it just brings that extra pop of emotion to yeah, yeah. whatever it is you're trying to capture with the visuals in the first place because when you watch the visuals without yeah. the music it's not I mean it is cute I mean I had it and like, I was like what do I do with a snowman stick on a mountain? Like, yeah. what am I doing with it? Um, it's really actually interesting to and helpful to have the ad sent yeah. to you. And they're so specific and they do it so well. They're not like, here it is, do your thing. Like, they give you pointers. They know exactly where they want the music to come in. They want, they know when they want it to end, where the intro starts. And like, that really helps when they, because mm. they're basically telling you what they want. So I just followed the brief to brief, yeah. basically, and then did my thing within those boundaries. And yeah, I, lo- I love working to a brief. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Nice. 
I guess it's organized. <laughs> it, yeah, maybe. It's like there's an organizer and then you can do whatever you want within there, but it gives you a starting yeah. point. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. And did, were there pressures then that came after that in terms of like, you know, you're, you'd been number one for the song. Then I'm guessing you've obviously got music in the works, like you said. You've probably yeah. got an EP or an album on the way. Was yeah. there like a pressure to like match that um, bigness or like to, to kind of show, like you said, that you you were at the level of... The, yeah. do, you know, do you know what I'm trying yeah, to say? No, like I get you. I mean, I think there would have... I kind of was had was having the... like I had to make an album, basically. I, I That was what my thing was. So I was just focusing on mm. that. I'm sure there was pressures, but maybe everyone working around me in the yeah, label and stuff were worrying it. about that and they didn't let that get to me. Um, but I didn't really feel pressured by it. And if anything, we used it as a springboard and it was a, a good thing and it only helped, mm. really. Um, and even that was like seven years ago, eight years ago. Yeah, Everything's so different now. The way we release music is so different even in that time. So I it's really hard to like compare it and to think about it as yeah, anything yeah, yeah. other than itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, because then did your album after that went on to do really like really well, didn't it? Yeah, ran, random places. I never thought I'd ever go, and that's yeah. like what happened for me with just loving Japan. Suddenly, I was yeah. in Japan a lot and Australia a lot, and that's strange. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was amazing, but like it was quite surreal and quite bizarre yeah. for me. Yeah. And then, how do you then follow that up? Do you feel like again, like I guess it's a pressure question, isn't it? Of like you've had a good a good good really big single on this advert you've had this like very kind of successful album and then there's always the thing of like the second album syndrome is oh that, yeah i rebelled completely i went you? into my mate's basement in stoke and and made like a psychedelic folky rock album <laughs> <laughs> I was like yeah um and i loved it yeah and then um i i think that my label expected me to write a pop album after yeah. that and be like right just second album off I go and I guess I did the opposite yeah and I really I really loved what I did and I loved it and the guy I made that album with was amazing and we still work together um, but I really feel that as soon as I left my deal I was doing the things they probably would have wanted me to do with, yeah I was suddenly writing all those songs that I thought I'd never write and the ones I probably really wanted um and I don't think it, was, it wasn't like a you know fuck you <laughs> to yeah. them or anything sorry for swearing um but it was more of a, maybe there was a pressure that I wasn't quite aware of. And when you pressurize artists, they're just gonna wanna write a banjo album. That's just how it is. Yeah. <laughs> and when you don't, and you have freedom artistically, and you find yourself, you know, making pop songs for fun. You know, like everyone kind of at that point expected me to go off and make the banjo folk album. And like, which I also love. Yeah, <laughs> I'll probably yeah, yeah. do that one day. But I... Yeah, I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed making pop music and I feel like all that led to that moment um, where I was able to do that once I felt free mm. to do it. And it also was a nice feeling knowing that I'm not doing that to impress a label. I'm not just suddenly writing pop songs to keep my contract or whatever. Yeah. I'm doing it out of freedom and that's really nice. And yeah. I guess I'd soaked up a lot and it came out then. Yeah, so, I think yeah. it's amazing as well that you, you were able to have the kind of self-awareness to go, actually, do you know what, you probably want me to make this kind of music but I'm not really feeling that I'm going to go and do yeah. this thing because a lot of people do fall into the trap of like okay the label are pushing me down this route I'm going to go down this route to try and keep them happy and then mm. it all but then it just becomes a mess and you're yeah. really unhappy and yeah, everything shit, becomes a mess yeah. yeah and then you kind of forget who you are in the first place and oh, I think that you know artists get signed for what they are mm. and 
then everyone gets involved and there's too many personalities kind of given their bit. And then, you know, suddenly there's too many things in the pot and it's like the artist has actually forgotten which one they are. Yeah. Um, so actually when you remove everybody, it's really nice. Mm. <laughs> and you're like, oh, actually, that's who I am. And I guess when there's so many people were shoving all these references down my throat and sending me in random rooms of random songwriters, they're all brilliant, but don't, I just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess all I wanted to do was go to my mate's house in Stoke Newington and write songs in his basement. That's yeah. actually what I wanted. And I, I guess I couldn't really see how maybe it was connected, but I never felt like pressure to make music in a certain way or like to sound a certain way. And I'm really lucky with the experience I've had with people in yeah. the music industry. I don't have any horror stories and that's rare apparently. <laughs> and well, it is rare. And so um, it was never horrible, but yeah, I guess there are just pressures that I put on artists. It's like as as much as you want to be all like wonderful and airy fairy about it and be like, oh yeah, I just write songs and it's so inspiring. Like there are like hundreds of people who work in that office who are looking at graphs about you all day. Like yeah. it is numbers, unfortunately. And yeah. that's what people's jobs are and fair play. But, you know, I guess it's about remembering that and then also remembering that your job is just to write songs. Yeah. And I've always like, because I've worked on that side of the music industry as well, where it's like numbers and figures. Mm. And it's like, I've always seen it as cool. That that is obviously a part of the industry. Yeah. That's that's what um, finances the industry. Yeah. But ultimately, you need the artist to you be need able some to songs. be <laughs> yeah. But you need the artist to be comfortable in themselves and be authentic to themselves to make what it is they're making. And it, in fact, if you look at bring up another Christmas ad, the IKEA Christmas ad from this year yeah. with the DW Grime track on it, it's like. <laughs> He's just been making that music his whole career yeah. and nothing but. And now he's landed, you know, this massive <laughs> IKEA advert randomly. And yeah, it's just yeah. like, but you need the artist to be in that space to be able yeah. to make the music to then do all the other stuff, you know? Exactly. And that's when it works well. And then everyone's happy. Yeah. And I think that yeah. goes, I think that goes for everything. I think mm. that's just not, you know, not anything creative or, you know, even with me in the podcast is like, I just... I make this podcast like a reflection of me yeah, yeah, as well yeah. as having interesting conversations as well. Do you know what I mean? It's like, if I don't feel like I'm doing it, if I'm trying to force it down a yeah. certain route, I then, going back to what we were saying right at the very beginning, I then start to go, start to like but, yeah. panic, you know? And you just, yeah. And I think as well, like, you know, when something does well, a certain song or something, people start to pick apart and work out how, make formulas and actually... Yeah. Do you know what? Maybe there's just none. It's like, you know, all right with that person because they've had X amount of hits. It was like, well, one time they didn't have any hits and someone wrote with them. So like, do you know, it's, I think you can, everyone can think about it way too much and mm. think about why this works, why that doesn't work, who's to blame if anyone's to blame. Like, yeah. everyone should just go and fuck yeah. down and do their jobs. And I, that's when I, I try and lose that control a little bit as well and be like, yeah. I don't care what everyone's doing. If I'm, happy with who I'm working with as well I trust that everyone's going to do their jobs and yeah. I just have to do mine so, so um, have you got any advice then in terms of like being in that space and being true to yourself like, and how to cultivate that yeah I think it's about learning to say no actually at the time I just didn't know how to say no really because there's all these lads in suits and I'm like a teenager like okay um but yeah, learning to say no, really, and having clear goals as well, knowing what you want. So you can be like, this is my, these are my goals. Everyone mm. like, look at them. This is what I would like, please. Um, and feeling like you can ask for what you want. And actually from like, I think it's, especially for girls as well. It's like walking into a room full of lads and be like, these are, this is my checklist. I want this, 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 and this. It's quite daunting. But like, actually people find that really helpful because they know mm. what they're doing. They know what direction they're going in. Um, so yeah, definitely knowing what you want. And then if you have clear goals of who you are and what you want, then you know what track you're on. I guess you're not just like 
taking everyone else's influence and it getting muddied. But that's saying that though, you do, it's good to also like take other people's ideas. Um, and if someone has an idea about you working with a particular person or like, yeah. how about this producer? You're like, oh no, but they're a house producer. It's like, yeah, I know, but it's so weird. It might work. And it's about knowing when to say yeah as well and to try those things. I'm really glad I did try some things and they worked. So yeah, yeah. you can't say no to everything. But um, it's about choosing the ones that you do want to try, I guess. Yeah, yeah. that's it. I mean, it's good advice. Yeah. Very good advice. And you've got an album coming out. I mean, it could potentially be out by the time this comes up, but you've got an album coming out called yeah. Dear Happy. Yes. Um, what's that name about? That's very interesting. Uh, my friend Liz and I wrote a letter to happiness. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. It was weird, actually. I was having a bit of an existential crisis. And um, I wrote it with my friend Liz. And then we scrapped it. It was when I was going through my massive attack phase. I kind of, it happens every two or three years. I kind of just have yeah. a massive attack phase. Um, and it was, we, she sent the demo back to me and I was like, this is teardrop. We can't keep it. <laughs> but the one, the, the bit that I loved was the dear happy bit. And I kept that. And at the end of a US tour, I finished it Sick. with a guy called Jamie Hartman in LA. Um, and it's actually really nice because usually when things like that happen, everyone gets involved. So it's like getting angry over splits and whatever. And everyone was just really happy for the song to exist. Um, and that's kind of where the album name was summed up for me. I think as well that the, I guess I, I, guess I realized I, that's what I was writing as well. Um, when, well, when I wrote, Kintsugi, I was like, okay, this is what this is. Like, I'm actually rewiring my brain and I'm kind of documenting it with songs. And I guess all of them fit into that theme. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sums it up for me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And th I'm intrigued about this letter. What was the kind of gist of what was in it? Um, I think mean, they have to recite so the whole thing. I don't, I don't want to give it all away. Um, it's about. So the chorus, it's the chorus, is Dear yeah. Happy. And it's about. Um, telling happy to like i'm I'm nearly there i know i'm late but i'm there soon yeah. thanks for leaving the light on for me oh, i think nice. it's that yeah that's cute i like that that's really cool yeah um and writing that stuff so you kind of just the way you kind of described it i've almost imagined it like a memoir to yourself yes about everything that you've kind of experienced right yeah and it is and i, I but i don't want it to be like oh this is a mental health album like I, it yeah. is but it's also i don't want that to have any kind of negative like, connotations to yeah it, like yeah. it's not a, it's not a sad sounding album like i guess some of it could be quite like oh okay that's a bit honest or whatever but like it's a happy sounding mm. album i want to listen to it in five years time and hear like yeah. happiness and hopefulness and i also wanted to just make something i could dance to and actually it sounds fun as well because yeah. i gonna have to play these songs on tour and i find touring difficult and yeah. i want it to be light and i want to have fun with it and it be really freeing actually i want it to be freeing for people who are going to be listening to it and experiencing it as well mm. so what's it like then when you're kind of and I, I say this for a reason because i've kind of almost experienced it myself recently is like when you're writing and you're kind of putting yourself into the zone where you're feeling certain things so you're kind of like going back mm. on your emotions and kind of trying to bring them up so like my yeah. example is i've been doing some writing because eventually i want to kind of write a, a long form book about my journey and how everything's kind of tied together through the podcast and through mm. my, my kind of 
um, to give you some context, my kind of um, experience with depression and anxiety and how that's kind of shaped. How it yeah, how it yeah. threads and how it's all interwoven and how it's kind of shaped where mm. I am and kind of everything that's kind of I've experienced and like the lead up to those periods and everything that's happened around it and after it and, it, you know, all that kind of stuff. So while I've been writing it, I've had to go back back into my mind from like six years ago to when I was like in a Dredge very it all back up. and like yeah. feel it like but yeah, really yeah. like really feel it in order to then write about it and be able to describe it again yeah and it was very hard because I then I found it very hard to then detach from yeah. those emotions again because it's quite a tough place to be in the first Re- place reopening a wound it's like I'm picking a scar yeah and that's horrible (laughs) but then I find like when artists write about really difficult things and they've actually done that and they've dredged it back up um it's actually really powerful and Mm. I think it's it's quite a painful exercise depending on what you're writing about and I I really um appreciate when artists do that and I think people should more that's definitely how it happens and it's a lot easier to write about something as you're feeling it so you may have to dredge it up than it is to write from memory, especially yeah. with hindsight. Because if you're writing with hindsight, it's like, well, that was bad, but I'm better now because, yeah. as opposed to like, this is shit because I'm in this shit right now. Mm. Um, and sometimes that's actually what, what you want to hear. Yeah. When that is what, you know, if you want to convey that feeling for someone else to listen to it and be like, oh, okay, I get that. Or for someone else to read it and be like, that's how I felt and la, la, la. Yeah. Um, it has to, and that's kind of I think what it needs for it to be genuine yeah. but I think that's also kind of like a price yeah. to pay as well like you have to feel awful if you want to write about something awful yeah so how do you yeah. this is going to be a two part question which uh-huh. is really annoying sorry but like how do you A um, get yourself into that place again like do you find that a difficult thing and then B how do you deal with the after effects of having put yourself back into yeah. that place yeah um, well, I try and keep notes, actually. Um, I always keep note of the way I might describe something when I feel awful. Like, I described, described it as the apocalypse once. And I was like, <laughs> cool, right, so I've got the apocalypse. So I, like, try and write those things down, actually, yeah. and keep notes of that um, so that I don't actually have to revisit it as much yeah, yeah. and still know what those points were. Or do it as I feel it as well and uh, writing can be really therapeutic as well so I try and get something down Mm. even if it's just like the main bones of something or an idea at least that bit's down and then I can work from that and that's the bit that's needed yeah I guess like the little nugget yeah (laughs) Yeah. does it help you reprocess does it help you like yeah process in terms of like understanding yourself back then to then bring those learnings forward into the present yeah definitely actually I I it's like you're kind of, sometimes you might actually, like, I find like I'll be working something out and I'll be like, that's why that happened. <laughs> like you have little epiphanies when you're like writing. I think even like any kind of medium and form of kind of expression is really helpful in the exact mm. same way. It might be like some people might like sewing, some people might like knitting, um, it might be painting or photography. I guess it's still like a medium for yeah. you to convey that expression. So like it, yeah yeah <laughs> so it's really hard to like because it's not scientific like i was saying there's no formula really so you can be like oh that person and that person in that room at this time of day with that food and that alcohol that makes a good song like yeah, actually yeah. really it was just that day they had something to write about um and it's really hard to pick it apart actually yeah. 
That's cool. Yeah. I totally get that. I think it's, it's just... It's very random. I try and yeah. like talk about a process or whatever, but actually it's kind of Yeah, random. it's just a feeling, isn't it? Yeah. And that's that's totally like where I'm at in my life is like mm. I go off of the feeling and it's like if the feeling is a, a good one around and I get that kind of buzz of energy, then it's like I follow that feeling yeah. until another feeling comes along yeah, and then yeah. I follow that one. Like and no. it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just sort of <laughs> zigzag across feeling. through yeah. life. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned um, food a couple of times I love and I know, yeah food. I was like, cause I noticed yeah. you've got a few like cooking um shows would you call them episodes, episodes videos videos on, on your I YouTube. guess yeah and you're also vegan I am yes so what where does the passion for food come from um well, I just really like eating yeah yeah Fair. it's pretty simple like nothing nothing in particular I just love food yeah that's it and the veganism, is that like a, is that a recent thing or have you been like a vegan for, for a, a long time? few years. Or? I can't really remember the point. It wasn't like, I'm vegan now, draw a line. Yeah. Like it was quite more of a change, I guess, mm. a gradual thing. I just decided to eat less meat. And on the days where I wasn't eating meat and eggs and stuff, I um, enjoyed, I just enjoyed it. And I found myself doing it more and more and more. It wasn't like I'd embargoed myself from yeah. anything, but it just, I began enjoying it and began doing it more and more than what I was previously doing and then it just became everything all yeah. I do and it yeah it, it's not it's, I don't really think about it I'm not offended by meat in the sense that if you were eating chicken right now I wouldn't be like oh get away like, yeah. I don't you know I'm not scared of it um but it's just yeah I don't know I just I just like vegetables yeah. <laughs> but I also love food but like that's the thing as well I really enjoy food and like i don't want to feel like i'm just eating air yeah. which i guess is a common misconception um, <laughs> but I, I mean on most days i don't get my five a day i'll be honest <laughs> like yeah. as a vegan i don't get my five a day um because it's just so there's so much good food now yeah you can just eat anything so, so i don't feel deprived yeah, yeah. did you did you do it then and there's a number of reasons why i'm asking mm. these questions and i'll explain in a sec but like did you do it for health benefits or were you doing it for environmental benefits um bit of both really mm. like it definitely wasn't like entirely about i don't know i mean i feel bad saying it but it wasn't like all oh, the the animals like i feel bad eating mm. animals it actually wasn't that it was definitely more environmental and for health as well um i actually went well that's when i was going vegan when i went vegetarian i'd stopped well i'd stopped eating like lamb and beef and most red meats um, because I'd made friends with a lamb that was then put on a plate in front of me a few <laughs> oh, a few weeks no. later in a shepherd's pie. Yeah, oh, that's horrible. So um, I was like, wow, okay, that's it was quite strange. Um, so that was like, yeah, that's when I really thought about that. But it was more environmental and for health mm. actually. And I found myself just, even when I was full and I'd eaten this full like plate of something ginormous, I wouldn't feel as awful as I'd feel if I ate the meaty cheesy version. Yeah. Um, yeah i don't know i still i just don't feel like i need to go and lay down after i yeah. eat stuff now yeah um but it's yeah it just it just is it doesn't feel like this like it just feels very normal it's kind of like it feels like um yeah like, i don't know it's just like it doesn't seem for me it's like everyone does it Do you know it's, it's i just uh, yeah yeah I just, it, I just love food yeah because <laughs> the reason i'm asking is because i've just started eating vegetarian Nice. So I did it as a kind of like challenge for November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And are you enjoying it? Yeah, yeah, I am. I really am. So it's one of those things where it's like I just decided the day before that I was going to do. Like, <laughs> oh, going to eat vegetarian. Course, yeah, 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 it yeah, just, yeah, I mean, I've just done it. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I was like, because I'm I'm not like a big big meat eater, but like I do like like chicken. Yeah, yeah. Come from an Italian family, so meat's quite a. It's a thing. It's I mean, a I guess big food thing. is a big communal thing and a big Italian thing. Yeah. Families, yeah. So I was like, do you know what? It'd be interesting to see like what are the health benefits. Do I feel any different? Mm. Um, you know, obviously there's like the environmental side of, you know, particularly with red meat mm. and stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to give it a go. And I watched, um, have you seen the Game Changers? Yeah, but, it's so good. So I'd, I'd already decided before watching the documentary that I was going to do it. Because mm. it's kind of been on my mind for a while because I'm just interested in, like when I do meet seemingly very interesting people, they, they tend to be vegan. And it's kind oh, of just yeah. intrigued maybe me. Maybe we're all psychopaths. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> And I've kind of just like, I've slowly transitioned towards it by cutting out red meat. And then I was only really eating chicken and fish. And yeah. then I was eating less chicken and more fish. I found fish really hard to stop eating, actually. Yeah. That was like the one thing that I was like, oh, I do Because it's a good, it's a good, <laughs> I mean, it is a meat, but it's a good alternative when you don't want to eat yeah. red meat or chicken. Yeah. You can then go, oh, yeah, there's always salmon yeah, or tuna. Yeah, and it's, well, I guess, I mean, I don't even know if it's good for us anymore, but I mm. was under the impression that fish is really good for you. Yeah. So like... Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be. Yeah, and yeah, so uh, yeah, no, that's why I'm asking these questions. I'm, I'm very intrigued at the minute of like that because yeah. I feel like I'm slowly getting to that point of like been cutting out dairy, but yeah. then I'm like, no, I just well, can I, I just think be when you get to <laughs> chicken, um, well, I feel like cheese is one of those things. I think you can get addicted to cheese. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, it's delicious. Um, but vegan cheese, when you are still eating real cheese, mm. it's not nice. It tastes like sick. And what I found is that I just gave up. I didn't even try with the yeah. vegan cheeses because they were so horrible. And I don't know if it's been... Because like when I first went vegan, I, I you couldn't get vegan cheese in the supermarket. Like Morrison's went doing their own vegan yeah, it's cheese. It wasn't like a recent thing. thing yeah. yeah, and like in the last few years, like you've been, it's just been available everywhere. And I don't know if it's because it's got better or if it's because my taste buds have then changed. Yeah. So I just went off it for a little bit. <laughs> and then, well, now I it, it tastes like cheese. Yeah. It was funny so because I was reading, and it's probably very similar in terms of the vegan cheese. I was reading something. I can't remember exactly what I was, where it was or what it was about, but there was something in this article I was reading that mm. said, when people go vegetarian or vegan and they just cut out meat, at first you find the taste of just vegetables quite like disgusting because you're not used to it mm. but it just takes your 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 body time to forget yeah, the meat your and taste it must change yeah surely. and then then you start to fully appreciate the um the taste of vegetables yeah. and fruits and because your your taste buds almost become alive to them yeah yeah yeah. So it must be similar i mean vegan cheese i don't know i but think yeah well vegan cheese is disgusting when you first eat it when you're eating real cheese but yeah. now if i was to eat like i'm sure if i ate cheese cheese doesn't smell to me like it used to smell i was actually a few years ago staying um in this place in Bude, and this guy had this like wonderful little like nut orchard and he put a yurt up in there and it was it was just so nice and he had these like chickens just living and running around yeah. the orchard and I, he offered us eggs and I was like I'm completely cool with this I'm gonna have an omelette and I was yeah. making it on the fire and I ate the omelette and it was disgusting oh, and no. it was obviously the best egg in the world yeah. that I could possibly have and it was also you know everything about it was so wholesome and I completely agreed with it but it just did not taste mm. very nice at all yeah. and it, it wasn't because there was anything wrong with it. It was because I just hadn't had eggs for ages. Yeah. Didn't, yeah. But also, it's, it's chicken fetus. It's chicken so fetus. It's, it's not probably supposed to taste that nice, really. Well, <laughs> and that's the thing. You've probably become... Because you've, you've yeah. forgotten and you've lost your association it's to what eggs represent in pungent. terms of food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've... Coming back to it, your taste buds are like, oh my God, this is... I'm fucking it's eating rank. fetus. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it was just weird. <laughs> I, was, I was sad though because it was so wholesome. I really wanted to... 
sit there in like my yeah. pajamas outside my yurt, like on the little fire and eat my eggs. And it was gross. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I tried, yeah. but yeah, I couldn't do it. So I think our taste buds definitely change. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And that's, I think that's kind of, yeah, I'm kind of in that space because I'm kind of not really missing or craving meat, which I thought yeah. I would do. Because again, I wasn't massive meat eater, yeah, but yeah, yeah. what the way I've kind of framed it in my mind is like if you just boiled a chicken breast and ate it without putting anything on it, it probably doesn't taste that nice. No. So it's actually the seasoning well, that yeah, you like. Yeah, that's what I find as well. Like I think but like especially when I'm touring, I found that like basically English food is shit <laughs> and like Asian food, Indian food, yeah. basically some things that revolve around certain spices than a certain meats mm. you know like that's how i found um was really good yeah yeah how did you find japan then being vegan well the thing about japan is that when you're there working people are very hospitable like they really look after okay, you yeah. so i i was doing these shows um i've only been to japan like one trip since eating this way okay, um fair. and they you know there was catering in the venue and stuff yeah. and like i might actually go by i found things and i actually just learned the word for vegan and i went into places yeah. and i was like please can you make something vegan like most of the time they just do it's different like mm. there's some weird things that will seem weird here um but like you can definitely get by loads of snacks i take yeah. so many snacks as well because I, I when i was there i was I, I was hanging out with a couple of vegans and one in particular she really struggled the first few days because it's not really a thing there being no. vegan well, in tokyo and osaka like that's yeah. where it was and it was easy to get by okay. i can't imagine like being out in the it's you you'd be surviving on little bits of like dried mango yeah, and rice nuts balls and <laughs> rice balls block of tofu um yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it's probably. But but actually, do you know? I read the other day that there's some committee now where, with obviously so much tourism with the World Cup and the Olympics yeah. in Japan, they're really um, they are there's some subsidy in the government or something to introduce more vegan yeah. and plant based options in restaurants. To make sure they're internationally, yeah, internationally symbol, international symbols on them yeah. to like so people know that they're vegan. And I think because the cool, cause the Olympics awesome. is there yes, next year, so, so I think they're kind of. They're making those changes, obviously, in the, and they've, they've just had the uh, Rugby World Cup. Yeah. So I think they're just making those changes, particularly for the Olympics. Because mm. um, I saw something on Instagram. The yeah, other day, I saw like, it. It's like, it did it say Japan's going plant-based. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, it's yeah. probably the same post. And they had loads of pictures and loads of delicious <laughs> it was like, stuff. Yeah, 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 it's the same post then. It's That's delicious. so funny. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it's yeah. just, I just, yeah, I think it's an interesting thing because it's, even in, in like Italy, for example, mm. so my nonna's over at the minute. And she just can't fathom like the vegetarian thing. Yeah. But I'm like, but Nonna, like you, so she's got a garden right in her house where she basically grows her own vegetables. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. 95% of the food she eats is her own vegetables mm. and then she'll make a meat with it. So I'm like, but Nonna, you basically only eat vegetables. Like yeah. what's so hard to fathom? Yeah, she's, yeah. She thinks it's like a crazy concept. Yeah. I'm like, well, I guess we're like, we're products of what yeah. we know, like well, how we're brought up and what's normal i guess it is just not within her culture to yeah be, what <laughs> just eat the vegetables i yeah. grow um yeah i completely get that yeah so it's a bit mad but yeah, yeah. so I, I i've got like a couple final ish questions okay, for you which on. might it might take us elsewhere who knows okay. um so obviously the podcast is called dreamers disease so what would be your definition of what the dreamers disease is Dreamer's disease? Is this like a philosophical question? Could be. However you want to answer it. So what, what, ask me again. Sorry. So Dreamer's disease is the name of the podcast. Yeah. What would your definition of the dreamer's disease be? 
like how would you interpret that that like the phrase dreamer's disease as yeah. opposed to about the podcast or just yeah no just i'm thinking about this too much okay yeah. dreamer's disease it sounds negative because of the word disease i don't think it is maybe if i'm thinking about me and what we've spoken about like the I think of how I can sit and stare at a wall for hours about all the things I want to do and not do them. And that's kind of how I'd interpret that. Because mm. I think if you've got a creative mind, you can sit and be like, it runs, it riles itself up and like runs away with itself. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, two hours have passed. I could have done that thing I was thinking about that I wanted to do. Um, yeah, that's how I think I'd interpret that. Interpret yeah. that. I don't know if I'm getting that across. Yeah, no, yeah. That's, that's actually pretty close to how I describe it to people. So I say it's the disease of dreaming that stops us from carrying out things because we're too busy like dreaming about them yeah. and not putting in the action. Yeah. And I guess as well, like giving yourself an expectation from mm. dreaming about something for too too much. Um, and then when that thing may happen, you might miss it because it's not the way that you made up in your mind. Yeah. 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 Nice. And if, if we then could go back in time mm. and we could speak to a younger Gabby. Um, so you can you can pick whatever age you like okay. here, to be honest maybe like making songs in your bedroom and mm. putting them on YouTube um, what three bits of advice would you give yourself to start doing from that moment okay so number one the fringe is never gonna age well don't do it <laughs> um, number two do you know what I would tell myself to just do what I'm doing because I was really I trusted the people around me and I'm really thankful for that now. Like something small, like my manager at the time, who I didn't know that well, saying, when we sign this deal, you're going to keep your master's. I was like, okay, I don't even know what that means. Okay, cool. Like, and that was a really good thing that yeah. I was able to do. And I own my master's now. So like that at the time he was able yeah. to predict. So that was a good thing for me to do right now. Yeah. Um, so I'm really, ha really thankful that I was pretty trusting. Mm -hmm. um, and the last bit, of advice I'd give to YouTube me. Um, I just don't need to rush. Yeah. It's fine. Just, and you can't really ever picture exactly how you're going to end up regardless of what your goal is. Yeah. So just enjoy it. Yeah. I always think of it like you, you can picture the, how you think you're going to be in like five mm. years, but then when you actually get to that point, there's you another point in five years yeah, from now. Yeah, but you could have like, ticked all the boxes you wanted to tick along the way, but it's never going to be exactly how you pictured it. No. So you might as well just enjoy. You enjoy the whole process, yeah. not just the goal exactly. as well. Um, I just, just interesting. I want to go back to the, the thing you were saying about owning your masters. Mm. What, what, what benefit does that have then for you from a kind of musical slash business slash industry point mm. of view? Well... I own all my masters pre-Parlophone deal because obviously major yeah. labels own you forever. So I don't own my first two albums. Yeah. I just don't. Um, and I wish I did because yeah. they get synced a lot and they generate a lot of income for someone sat in an office. So that's really great. Um, <laughs> and do you know, I know, I know that that's what it is. Um, but my previous masters allowed me to set up a label which meant that I was able they were creating revenue that I was able to use for for new artists which I'm doing now and that's really great mm -hmm. um and even leaving since my second album everything I've released including my album is is owned by me I own those recordings yeah um obviously I'm publishing stuff but the actual hard recordings they are mine and I choose where they go and 
no one else needs to own them yeah. and it's actually really nice these days i guess like you know back at the time like for me i didn't whilst i enjoyed youtube and i enjoyed the community it created i wanted to be a commercial artist i didn't mm. want to be pro like primarily just on youtube i mm -hmm. wanted to do it commercially and at that time a major label was the only option i really had to for the goals yeah. that i wanted and now it's not like that and it's there's so many different ways that you can you can do it and artists yeah. can be making things in their bedrooms and putting it out and there are, I, I work with AWOL but there are loads of distributors who um who basically take smaller cuts and help artists and it's way just more friendly it's less pressure you're not tied into things and I just think it's like you should own your work yeah really yeah totally yeah and then you have control yeah Awesome. That's wicked. I'm glad you're in that space now because it's, yeah. you never know. It could be John Lewis advert 2030 and someone's 2030. used one of your songs by another vocalist and, you know, oh. you're getting the benefits of it. There we go. Could come full like, circle. It could do. <laughs> and like, yeah, it just means that, yeah, like I, it just seems weird to not own, I, d I don't own my album. Isn't that yeah, weird? I don't yeah, own my first weird. album. That's yeah. strange. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's good to own yourself, really. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, of course. Um, and then finally, I've actually forgotten what my last question <laughs> is. Talk, <laughs> Must have been of, a really good one. It is. No, it's always the same one. That's yeah. the funny thing. Oh, it's okay. like going back to you on stage and forgetting your lyrics. It's like, uh, I know yeah. this question. <laughs> the question is Oh, what is your definition of happiness? My definition of happiness. That's awk. <laughs> um, Considering your album is. <laughs> I know, I should be a connoisseur in happiness. <laughs> Um, my definition of happiness is it's like that feeling where you're not thinking about how you're feeling. You just are. It's contentment, I think. It's not about being overly ecstatic. It's not about any of those things. It's just about being content mm -hmm. and free. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. That's amazing. I and think so. Where can people find you online? Um, everywhere. Yeah. All the YouTubes, all the Instagram, Twitter. My name's Gabrielle Aplin. Spelt Aplin, not Alpin. <laughs> I think that's where most people can't find me because yeah. my name's been spot wrong. I did a, I did um recently a, this is it's just so annoying. And it's like got to the point where I just laugh now, but I did a collaboration with a really big brand for merch and like on the tags. This is a big thing. Like my yeah. stuff is at a shop yeah. and they'd spot my name on like the um. main tag. So I can't give that to my mum now. Like, oh no! And that is an outfit. It's such a small thing yeah. for me to get all diva about. But I was like, lads, it's five letters. Yeah. Um, should so trademark that name as well, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I should case. trademark outfit. <laughs> I should. Um, but yeah, Gabrielle Aplin on all the yeah. places. See. I don't think I have a TikTok. I do. Oh, okay. oh my god, we're gonna get. I'm gonna give you a little. I don't want to know. Like AWOL, all my management. They've been trying to get me on it for ages. It's not gonna happen. Oh my god, um, I think you'd love it. Do you reckon? Yeah, I do. I yeah. definitely think you would. Okay. But we'll, I'll, I'll give you a little thing yet. after. Okay. Yeah, please. So yeah. you can see. Um, and the album is out. 17th of January. 17th of January. Great. I will yes. link up a either a pre-order link or the album link, depending when this actually goes out. Nice. Should be before. Okay. But yeah. Cool. But amazing. <laughs> thank you for being yeah, here. And thank you for uh, having me. No worries. It's been yeah. an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. So there we have it, guys. That was Gabrielle Applin's story. And as I said, she's just amazing. She's just full of energy, full of life. And it's just so much inspiration, you know, through 
what she was talking about with her ADHD and her creative process and how she kind of deals with being away and all of those sort of things. It's just an amazing, amazing story. And if you took something from that episode and you learned something and you've been inspired and there's someone in your life who you think would benefit from listening to that episode, then be sure to send them the link or send them a screenshot because it's important that we continue to spread the positive vibes and these messages. And I started this podcast to help inspire positive change. And you can also be a part of that by sharing the love. So it's important that we keep spreading the message to share the love of the podcast. And as ever, you can connect with me on Instagram at I am Alex Manzi. You can hit me up. You can say hello. You can tell me what you thought of this episode. Anything you like, really. That is where you'll find me at I am Alex Manzi on Instagram. But thank you for listening and I will see you for the next episode. This podcast is produced by Unedited.